Um, we're, we're really grateful to Tim and Sarah, and uh, this church has got such a heart to host people. We just love it and really grateful to you guys for making this place so open. Um, I, I'm, I'm aware that in sharing together that actually the truth is any one of you in this room could take this microphone and say the stuff I'm going to say because the Holy Spirit is moving throughout his people, not a few people telling them what's going to happen. So actually any one of you will feel something in your spirit is going on that you could articulate just like I'm trying to do. So I'm probably not going to say anything that is that stunning or maybe you'll disagree, but I'm just going to try and articulate a few things that it sounds like are going on in this city and all over the earth. Um, uh, I've been in the city uh, 43 years. And I heard promises over 40 years ago that were stunning and are still hanging over the city. Uh, the advantage of being young and newer to the journey is you don't carry the baggage that gets in the way of you believing him for stunning things to happen. But then the advantage if you've been around a long time is although you've got a lot of baggage, if you look with the right perspective, you see God has already done an amazing amount in the journey of his people in this city. You can just nod at that one. I'm telling you he has, because I can remember 40 years ago, and I couldn't have imagined then what's going on in this city now in a, just a hundred years. Even 10 years ago, if I look back then and see where we were as a people in the city, I couldn't have imagined how things are now. Because I think we're in the most extraordinary of days for the body of Christ. I'm trying to win you to agree. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to hype you up, but I'm going to declare what I believe God's saying. Because I believe we're in the most extraordinary of days in the journey of his people towards promises that have hung over this city for decades and now are available to a people who radically want to chase them. And, and this last little period, is, it, 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 feels like, it feels like there's an awakening going on. You, you know, an awakening of many, many hearts to kind of seek heaven for something far more glorious than we've known up to now, although what he's done in these last ten years is already enough to tell me there's a momentum of heaven going on in this city that I so want to be part of, don't you? I really do. And, and so there's been, this last ten years there's been so much change going on, there's been an awakening, there seems to have been... Um, I don't know how you found it. I found it a strange period where God seems to be testing every corner of my heart and we've been through different challenges and trials. How many of you have found the last 10 years a roller coaster? How many of you? Put your hand up if you found the last... You know, and I look around. Keep your hand up because it could encourage your neighbor. You know? do, do you know what? I honestly believe the Holy Spirit has been preparing our hearts for what is yet to come. Both individually and corporately. And I'm going to try and describe that in a minute. But I honestly feel we're in a time of awakening, preparation, and everything going on has real significance, even tonight, in an agenda that God's up to. I feel like we're caught between a whole history of how we've understood things and a different landscape spiritually he wants to take us into that we've never seen before. How many of you get that kind of feeling sometimes? We're kind of caught between one era almost where we've known how certain things are to work and then a, a different era where you, you kind of say, 
you know what, Lord, I think I'm now ready to let go of what I've known so I can follow you into what you want to do for your people in this city. So it's been a strange period, hasn't it? Sort of so many individuals being challenged and tested and forged to be ready together to embrace what he wants to do. What a strange time, but I would call it an awakening. And uh, I think in that time, this last period, and I hope this makes some sense, I'm trying to just define a few things. In this changed time, where there's a different landscape for his people in this city, certain uh, key themes have emerged for those of us who've journeyed a bit over the last ten years. I'll say them, because it might just help you. Certain big themes have come from the Holy Spirit to a, a whole bunch of us trying to travel towards these promises. Um, I heard over 40 years ago, God wanted one church in this city. Over 40 years ago. And here's some of the themes that have emerged. Like God has wanted to actually have fathers and mothers at the heart of his people who don't need significance, but want the best for the church. That's one thing. He wants fathers and mothers to have taken their place who don't need significance. Their passion, as with all parents, is to see children flourish. That's one big theme. So we bless the fathers and mothers in this city who God has ordained will help bring a whole different atmosphere amongst his people. Here's another theme. That God doesn't actually want generations separated from each other. He's passionate to have all generations joined together in the most beautiful way. At the moment, it isn't so, but it's beginning to change. Because when you have fathers and mothers whose hearts are turned towards other generations, they feel safe to turn their hearts back, and suddenly there's a remarkable joining that provokes heaven to lose things that heaven didn't do before. Wouldn't it be amazing if in this era, generations got beautifully joined together, and there was a stunning display that God's been after. Isn't it awful when generations are separated? and there's hurt, and there's fracture, and there's disillusionment. It's coming to an end because God wants something better. You can say amen if you want to. Here's another theme that keeps coming up. It feels like the whole way church has been has been more in a pastoral mode of gathering in and it's changing to an apostolic era where God wants to loose many of his people to exploits they're born for while still being joined into his family. Which is stunning in itself. Because those of us who ever in our baggage days had experience of apostleship, it kind of slightly skewered us and we thought, no thanks. Well, something different is emerging where God wants a whole culture that's more apostolic, where folks are sent into the field they're called to while still being joined into a family. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to articulate some things that seem to be happening in the landscape of change we're in the middle of. Well, those three would be stunning, wouldn't they? I mean, they're not bad, are they? Fathers and mothers, generations joined, an apostolic era where many are forging whole new harvest fields because they were sent into what they're called to, not just gathered to something smaller. But you know, there's one theme that's gripped my heart that I want to promote tonight, even amongst those huge themes. 
And it's, as I say, I know you're going to nod your head and say, yes, 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 but I want to just talk about it briefly. And this theme to me stands out as above all else in John 17. So I'm going to put up John 17, 22 to 23. Which you're so familiar with, we'll just glaze over now. <laughs> but I'm going to ask that we don't glaze over. I want to make a few points from it. I, who's I? Jesus, in this prayer, by the way, isn't it interesting that, this is going to sound obvious, 17 comes at the end of 14, 15, and 16. I know, but let me say why I say that. You see, when the Holy Spirit was poured out into the 90s, it was all about John 14. The Father was being revealed back to his people as an essential starting point for a whole new era. John 15 is a revelation of abiding in Jesus. John 16 is revealing the wonder of the Holy Spirit. When all three come together, Jesus is able to start praying the most ultimate prayer of all prayers, which we're going to read now. It's interesting how he takes his people through an agenda where he begins where he wants to begin us learning to be fathered, which has been crucial. The revelation of what it's like to abide in Jesus. The wonder of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus prays this extraordinary prayer. I have given them... Who's them? We're all, we're all in, aren't we? The glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I have wrestled with this verse for at least 10, if not 15 years, thinking, I don't get it. It's just too big, Lord. What are you saying, Jesus? I have given you the glory I was given so that you may be one to the same degree that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. <sighs> not bad for a Sunday night in Bath, is it? I in them and you in me, so they may be brought to complete unity. Stay with me. Then what's going to happen? The world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you've loved me. Now, I know that's familiar, but I can't get it out of my heart as a deep cry of God. Did you mean that? Did you really, really mean that? And if so, for crying out loud, how's it going to happen? Because 40 years has been a bit messy, really. And yet, we could be on the brink of discovering dimensions of oneness in this city that have never been here what were prophesied decades ago. Do you understand? The promise has been hanging, waiting. And, and it's so huge that I think, I don't know whether I dare go for that. But I tell you what, when you get in a place where his glory is manifest, his very nature sweeps over my heart, I become much more available for that level of oneness than when I'm crabby and cranky. How do you know it's his glory that changes our hearts so that that promise actually could happen? In other words, something touches me where before I'm a bit crabby with Tim, I'm not. But suddenly I'm overwhelmed with his nature touching my heart and I change and something shifts towards this incredible picture. Because I used to think, well that could be in, you know, 2080 or whatever. Well why not in our day? 
What would it need in our day? Look at us in the room even tonight. I tell you what, talk about a celebration. I believe God celebrates over us tonight. Well, well, yes, of course. No, sometimes he doesn't celebrate because he's not that shit. You know, he's not that thrilled. He doesn't. You can have a celebration without God. It's much better when you have a celebration where he's celebrating too because he gets a little glimpse of what his passion as a father is after. I want you to be one in the same dimension as we're one and then the world will know. My trouble is you can't seem to get around that one, can you? Well, let's go to the harvest fields and, you know, let's tell the world and, and that's really, really good. Please hear me. But I tell you what, there's a dimension of harvest will come when the world looks at something different and is stunned by oneness in a fractured world. And so I want to just kind of take a few things out of that. A few things. So here's a few things which you don't have to agree with, but just think about. If that's so... If that's the passion of the Father for Bath, there's only one church in Bath. There's only one church in Bath. A father has a family. I know, I'm no, you know, but I do believe it. I believe there's only one people, one church, beautiful. And of course we have to say, what does that look like? It doesn't mean a whole bunch of clone people all you know, crammed into Twerton Stadium or something. Finally we're one. That's nothing to do with it, is it? It's something far more profound than that. But there's only one church in Bath, I believe. I want to declare it. I think it's the most stunning possibility for Bath is a people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, who are coming towards that oneness and they shine into a fractured world that they begin to know. Can you dream a bit like that? Or do you think we're all going to carry on? I believe part of preparation is to repent of tribal spirits, wanting to be significant in our own right, prideful sort of uniqueness, you know. If I let down what I'm doing, for the sake of the whole, well, what about my significance? You know, those kind of inner things, aren't they? I believe God has been taking that stuff away from our hearts in a period of preparation because he really, really wants us to come nearer to his promise. Wouldn't it be amazing if in ten years from now, where might the church in this city be? What do you reckon? Okay, that's one. Here's another how do you know the step towards that also is reconciliations that abound in this city where there's been fractures? Ouch. Personal reconciliations and corporate re- reconciliations don't half bring this promise nearer to us because every reconciliation closes another gap and another gap and another gap. And I'll tell you what, the times are urgent enough for us that where there's a gap, we need to initiate a reconciliation. Okay. Second one. I read an amazing story. Have I got five more minutes? <laughs> I read an amazing story. I want to tell you this story. Some of you may have read it already. I love every story of reconciliation because it points and prophesies some stunning things can happen even in a city that's been riven by fractures. But uh, you probably, some of you know that, um, I'll be quick with this story. Some of you know that uh, on April the 9th, in a huge stadium in 
LA, Los Angeles, there's going to be a gathering of over 100,000 Christians seeking heaven for a double portion of the healing anointing that got poured out before in America. It's an amazing initiative going on, but there's a story behind it that fascinates me. And, and I better have a look, make sure I quote the story properly. But in the story, this is April the 9th. How long is that? It's a huge deal. And they're doing it, calling it, I think they're calling it Azusa Now. Or Azusa Revival Now. Huh? Azusa Now. Thanks, Dan. And they're calling for, you know, over a hundred thousand Christians to come together, worship heaven, worship God, and just call on him for a breakthrough from heaven for that nation. And, uh, and, and so it's been remarkable in itself, but that one of the men leading it called Lou Engel, while preparing for this, and there's one or two strands, but while preparing for it, he realized that he had been out of fellowship with the current leader of the Azusa Street Mission, whose name, I'll give you, so you can check it out, whose name was, was Fred Berry. And in 2008, he, Lou Engel, and Fred Berry, who leads the Azusa Street Mission, fell out, or Lou Engel did something a little bit unfortunate, there was a very, very bruising entanglement, and they never did anything about it. How many of those things aren't helpful towards this dream? Anyways, coming towards this incredible dream of 100,000 Christians, Lou Engel is aware, and God begins to speak to him, you need to be reconciled to your brother. He phones this guy, Fred, who by now has gone to Brazil, because he's so fed up with America and the whole Christian scene there, which some people are tempted to do. And he'd gone to Brazil, and he's in Brazil, and Lou Engel phones him, and this guy, Fred, picks his cell phone up and says... There's no way I'm going to answer that. He doesn't get away with it that easily. After six years, you'd never feel like that, would you? So he looks at himself and he's like, he puts his cell phone down. He said, the presence of God filled the room and God spoke to him and said, answer it. And he said, Lord, you understand, I'm not going to do that. There's such a stupid mess there in America, I'm not going to answer the phone. And the Holy Spirit pressed him stronger and said, I said, answer the call. It kind of yikes, isn't it? And so he picked the phone up, heard Lou Engel, and uh, long story short, they had a remarkable reconciliation, and both of them are twinning together now towards this um, seeking heaven on April the 9th. And this is what they said. True, oh, uh, where are we? <clears throat> I believe God is shouting John 17 to the church right now. I believe God is shouting John 17 to the church right now. In other words, without that oneness, there's no way they can come together on April 9th and say, Lord, pour out your spirit. Acts 2 verse 1, they are all together in one place. And... Do you understand what I'm trying to... There's a, there's a way we steer towards a promise for this city and it has to do with my heart yielding to my brothers and sisters and ensuring there's no gaps left anywhere. Wouldn't it be amazing if there's news this year of reconciliations all around the city? There's some to be had, by the way. All right, now just, just two other quick things to say. Is This is... Um, 
I've jotted this down about oneness. True unity is not about everyone agreeing. Is it? Because if it is, we're on a very long journey. And it could get worse. It cannot be about every agreeing. It has to be that we're so overwhelmed with a love for one another that the joy of the relationship goes way beyond my need to have to agree. Doesn't it? And it isn't about, oh, it doesn't matter what we believe. You and I both know Christ died for our sins, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. That is not even negotiable, is it? But there are many other things which it really doesn't matter, but what really matters is a joining of a true loving relationship right across the board that right now God is increasing everywhere. So I've had to stop in my heart this incessant need to be right and you're wrong or to think what I believe is better than what you believe because it doesn't half get in the way of his ultimate promise as a father. I want you to be one even as we're one so the world will know. Ah, what a journey, isn't it? And so what I notice in the city right now is Christians, followers of Jesus, seem to be finding one another right across the board in a way I've never seen before. Friendships are springing up, relationships are growing, and people are even forgetting what tribe they come from. Why? Because the Spirit of God is dissolving the barriers because he's passionately wanting this dream for the Father to happen in Bath. I'm telling you, Bath is earmarked for a remarkable display of unusual oneness. You don't sound very thrilled with that, but I, I think it's reasonably exciting for Bath. I do. I really, really do. I believe if we, if we will pursue this prayer, his heartbeat, I believe in, in this next era, something will emerge of a bridal church that will be so beautiful that when we come together, his glory will be irresistibly coming over and over us. Uh, years ago, before most of you were born, I used to play an instrument. It's called the oboe. How many have ever played the oboe here? Oh, who did? I saw that hand. Did you? Sarah? No. One of you. Okay, play the oboe. It's a beautiful instrument. I spent years trying to master it because it, it's a pig of an instrument to play. It used to give me headaches. But it's a beautiful sound. But you know what? One day I was, got good enough to be invited into the orchestra. And I realized that playing in the orchestra was far, far more pleasurable than playing on my own. Because now it's part of a whole rich mix of sounds together that represented something far more beautiful than the best I could do on my own. And there was a conductor. And then one day I got to conduct an orchestra. And that was fascinating because now I was trying to draw all the different sounds out to create what I saw in the manuscript was a sound that was wanted. It's a very, very tiny glimpse of something when the Holy Spirit orchestrates a people who are one. The sound that comes out in a city is stunning. According to the Father's manuscript and I guess all I wanted to invite you to do if you can join with me in this promise is that we could give a big yes tonight that we could say yes Father we, we'd love your dream to fill this city and Lord I want to be part of that who's prepared my heart for something far bigger 
than I've seen in my history. Can we say yes to him? Is that alright? You don't have to. If you think, no, I don't want to, it's okay. There's a lady who had a, a word here. Who? Cindy. Where's Cindy? Come here, Cindy. Who's with you? It's who? C. C O E. I'm sorry, is this going to be okay for you? Why don't we just stand up for a minute together and let her just settle? Come on, because we just want to, Steve's going to pick up. I just want to, just want to say a yes to him. How many of you reckon God sent you to Bath? Would you put your hand up if you think God sent you to Bath? He wanted you here, it's his desire. <laughs> if he didn't, I would find out where he wants you. But you know, just, 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 just as a specificness, alright? Alright. Are you okay to do that? Um, just when you're worshipping, I, I just felt God say that he's looking for an unconventional people. He's looking for a people to be radical. And the root, radical means root. And I felt like him saying he's calling us back to the root. And the root is to love God and to love each other. And I just felt like he's not looking for us to fit into a mold or to look a certain way, but to be sold out and be radical. And um, I felt like it started with us to tap into what is our own root and what are our roots in terms of connecting with each other um, and just that word radical to just speak that over us as a people that we're it's not about fitting into a mold but about being sold out for God and sold out for each other oh let's just be still you know we invited the spirit to speak to us tonight what are you hearing him say